Good morning and welcome. My name's Craig. I'm the senior pastor here and it is our privilege to have you with us. I'm so glad that you've made time to be with us this morning as we uh, prepare for Thanksgiving just in a couple of days. If you have your Bible, we're going to be going to be in the book of Exodus chapter 20 verse 16. Exodus 20 verse 16. Uh, I do just want to remind you, I know Pastor Adam already mentioned it, but uh, this projector decided not to work this morning. So if you're sitting on this side, you can glance back there and see my notes. They'll be a little different than yours, but it'll still have the same information. They might look a little different. So you can do that and that'll help you. And of course, we'll get these notes out to you <coughs> later in the week. All right, Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. I'd ask you to stand in honor of God's word. And I would remind you that this is God's word. So here now as we speak it, verse 16, just one verse, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Let's pray together. Father God in heaven, we love you and praise you and thank you for this word. I pray God that it would sink deep into our hearts that we would make application of this word in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Do you tell the whole truth? I dressed this morning to tell y'all a lot of truth about me. Uh, I'm, I'm wearing jeans and a vest, uh, dressed down a little bit from what I normally would on a Sunday morning. And, and why? Because I wanted to be 100% transparent. This is a lot more who I am. I don't mind dressing uh, differently. And, and a lot of times on Sunday morning, usually you're going to see me in a jacket and a tie. Now, am I misrepresenting the truth when I stand before y'all in a, ja a jacket <coughs> and a tie? I'm not. I did not cough all morning, but, <coughs> you know, excuse me. Should be exciting. Am I misrepresenting the truth if I put on a jacket and a tie to stand up here and preach for y'all? Or, or, or if I were to put on a, a jacket and dress differently to go and take Angela out to dinner, am I misrepresenting the truth? Am I lying about who I am? No. No. There are going to be times when I just need to put forth the effort, which is a good reminder for y'all. If you're going for a job interview, put on a clean shirt and a jacket. Some of y'all get caught up all up in your feels and your ego and you say, well, this is who I am, so I'm just going to dress who I am because I'm not going to lie. You're not lying when you put on something nice. You're just showing some effort. You're not misleading somebody. When we think about what it looks like, <coughs> y'all, I'm terribly sorry. I have not coughed, not one time all morning. We think about what it looks like to misrepresent the truth we have this tendency to run all the way to the extremes and ask questions like, is it ever okay to lie? And we ask those questions, somebody inevitably goes to think about something like Nazi Germany. Would it be okay to lie if the Nazis are knocking on your door looking for, for Jews? Uh, folks, let, let's be really careful. Obviously, the Bible gives us some very complicated issues like the story of Rahab, where Rahab lied to hide spies. There's a, there's a, uh, a, a part of this commandment that reminds us that we are to not bear false witness against our neighbor. There's wrapped up in this is the idea more than anything, it's about loving your neighbors well. And in those super rare cases that you are almost certainly never going to encounter, there may be a time when you are faced with a choice between two evils and you have to choose the lesser of the two. And the lesser of the two would certainly be to misrepresent the truth so that you can protect your neighbor. All right? That's probably not going to happen to you. Right? So let's not allow the exceptions to do anything other than to prove the rule. This morning, we're not going to spend much time talking through the exceptions. Instead, we're going to focus on this commandment. And this commandment is do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Do not, 
Do not lie about your neighbor. Three things I want us to see this morning as we consider um, this big question about whether or not we tell the whole truth. The first one is I, I want to make sure that you seek the truth. Seek the truth. Now, what is the truth about Craig Thompson? Do you get a lot more understanding of who I am when I show up in the way that I dress, not in the pulpit? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. What's really funny is I see y'all out sometimes, especially folks that have just started visiting our church, and they've never encountered me anywhere other than like up on this platform. And they may see me at Lowe's or at the grocery store. I ran into one of our church um, uh, guests some while back at the grocery store, and I spoke as I walked past, and she did this double take. She goes, wait are you my pastor? I said, as a matter of fact, I am. Uh, well, I love this one. Um, at Lowe's a lot of times. I didn't expect to see you here. I'm like, you know, our, we have to repair our toilets as well. I mean, it's, it's odd, but um, sometimes you're used to seeing somebody in a particular place or a particular way, and, and it completely throws you for a loop. I was introduced to someone by name Friday night, and he said, Craig, I believe you know this person, and they introduced him to, me, to him, and I just looked at him just like I was a complete moron. I said, I'm sorry, I don't think I do know who that is. I don't think I know you at all. Um, and then all of a sudden, it clicked, and I was like, oh my goodness, yes, I do. I'm so sorry. I felt horrible, because this is somebody that I, I, I know. I've been, this is somebody that's been in our church before, and I've had conversations before, but yet in that particular situation, I didn't have a clue who it was. Right? Well, as I stand before you today, being a little more transparent, do you know me a little more? Maybe. But here's what I would encourage you to do is to seek the truth. Seek the truth. Look, you can't tell the truth or know the truth or live the truth. You can't tell it until you know it. Until you know it. We gotta seek it out. Now look, you need all sorts of truth. You need truth about yourself, you need truth about God. I need to know the truth of who I am, and you need to know the truth of who you are. The Bible says that we are all born in sin, and as a result of that, we're separated from God. You can't know the Lord until you know a little bit about who you are. And you can't know the Lord until you've sought some things to know about Him. You can't live in His promises. We tend to focus on this passage of Scripture as it relates to our responsibility to love our neighbors well, but it has a lot to do with us. Okay, I need to seek the truth about me. In our culture today, one of the greatest deficiencies that I encounter are people who have a lack of self-awareness about who they are, or my favorite one, a lack of self-awareness about their own kids. So, um, you know, it's you, your kid's on a sports team, and you can't understand why they don't play all the time, and in your mind, they're like the fastest kid on the team, and they ought to be getting all this playing time. Well, the reality is, if you put them all in the line and let them run, you may discover that your kid's not that fast at all. If your kid has the last name Thompson, you're going to discover pretty quickly if he's on your basketball team, you probably don't want him to have the ball in his hands. You know what I mean? Uh, because um, if my kids are anything like me, they can't shoot. I, I can't do it at all. Well, I need to be aware of that. Some of y'all need to be really self-aware of your own situation, your gifts, but also your deficiencies. And, and more than anything, you need to be aware of the sin that lives in your life that separates you from God and from the people around you. Seek the truth. Be willing to know the truth, right? Don't just live in your own fantasy world or live in your own lies. Seek it. But, but not only seek it, I, I want to encourage you this morning not to confuse what is true with what feels good. Do not confuse what is true with what feels good. Listen, there's no such thing as your truth and my truth. There's just truth. Truth is objective and it is real. 
Now, you might have opinions and I might have opinions, but here's what you can't say. You can't say, well, that's true to you, but it's not true to me. You might say, you like Brussels sprouts and I don't like Brussels sprouts, and that may be true, but what we can't disagree about, for instance, is what the nutritional value of Brussels sprouts is. I had somebody that tried to convince me recently, well, that's true for some people, but I'm different. Well, no, no, no. It's either true for everybody or it's true for nobody. Let me tell you something that's true. Oreos are good, okay? You may disagree with that. You may think that's not true. You might not like Oreos. That's fine. But the objective truth about Oreos, for instance, would be that if we decide as a church body that we're all going to commit for the next 30 days to eating a sleeve of Oreos every night before we go to bed, we're going to increase the gross weight of our church body pretty quickly. You understand what I mean? That's objectively true because there's an objective truth about the nutritional value of that sleeve of Oreos. That's true. That's not up for debate. Okay? So you don't get to say, well, that's true for you, not true for me. Number one. Number, number two related to this, look, Jeremiah 17, 9 warns us that the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things and not to be trusted. Your heart and my heart is deceitful and wicked above all things and not to be trusted. We can't trust our feelings our feelings will lie to us. Your feelings will lie to you. Now, I don't know why this is one of those verses that anytime I preach and teach about it, inevitably I have somebody that comes and says, but what about the Bible says that God gives us a new heart and he changes us so then we can trust our hearts. Generally, people tell me that when they're trying to defend some decision they've made. Let me clarify this for you, okay? The Bible does say that God gives us a new heart. The Bible also warns us that we live in a constant tension battling between our flesh and the spiritual good that God is doing in us. And so we are commanded repeatedly to put to death the deeds of the flesh and instead to put on, put on the fruit of the Spirit. That's what Paul talks to us about in the book of Galatians, for instance. So we're to put to death the deeds of the flesh and to put on the fruits of the Spirit. So you're at constant conflict. Your heart often draws you toward your fleshly desires. Your heart is often at conflict with those things that are spiritual. So just because something feels good to you doesn't mean it's good. Just because something feels bad doesn't mean it is bad objectively. Just because you like it doesn't mean it's sanctified. And just because you don't like it doesn't mean that it's sinful. Our standard has to be this book, this book. And that's what we do. We check our hearts. So when I have a desire that I believe may be good, this is where, for instance, God's word is valuable and important. It's also where the community of faith comes in. This is why our life groups are so incredibly important for us because you establish relationships with other godly people. And you can walk in and you can say, I believe that God is led, leading me to do this thing. And it feels good to me. And, and then after you have that, you can run to God's word and you can say, does God's word encourage this in my life? And then I can come to the community of, of saints, the community of faith, the church, and I can say, I believe that God is leading me in this direction. What do y'all think? And look, you want to seek out mature Christians who are willing to tell you no. This is a good thing. You need to have those people in your life that will say, no, I don't think that's a good idea. And you need them to be willing to look at you and say, yeah, that's good or no, that's bad. 
But it's still important for us to keep in mind that whether I feel like it's good or bad doesn't objectively make it so. Let me give you a specific example. Something like drinking alcohol. The Bible's very clear that drunkenness is a sin, period. No questions, okay? Um, and, and so there's, there's that, but I don't drink. I've, I've never drank alcohol, um, but I, I can't run to God's word and tell you that drinking alcohol is a sin. Um, uh, I don't do it, uh, but I found myself once upon a time re- wrestling through the New Testament and Jesus um, passes around a cup of wine to his disciples at the Lord's Supper, right? And I'm just going to be honest with you how my legalistic heart can get. This is how bad Craig Thompson can be. Uh, I'm reading that one day and I realized, I realized, wow, how would I feel about Jesus in that moment? You see what I did there? I just went, oh, oh, Jesus, let me explain how you should do this better or differently or not like that, right? Guess what? I don't get to tell Jesus what to do. And just because it makes me uncomfortable or because I've made a particular choice doesn't then make it sin, right? This has to do, Paul talks about it with meat sacrifice to idols. There are some who say, you shouldn't consume it. Paul says, well, the weaker brother feels that way, but you who are stronger... Listen, don't judge that person. Don't judge them for where they are. Instead, he says, you just, you just live with it, right? I don't get to impose the things that, that I feel compelled to do. I, I think about this a lot with music. I have lots of Christian brothers and sisters who just don't listen to secular music, all right? And I think that's perfectly okay if that's your personal conviction, You don't, however, get to then read that conviction or enforce that conviction upon others. Now, there are some folks, I have some people, um, years ago, I I knew a a pastor friend, and for whatever reason, when he got saved, and this is in the era of cassette tapes, for those of y'all that can really appreciate this, all right? When he got saved, he recognized that the music in his past was a real detriment to his spiritual growth. And so for him, like, like in, in, uh, when Paul talks about in the book of Acts, we see um, that all these people came and they, they burned all of their books of witchcraft. For this guy, the music in his life was such a burden that was keeping him from the Lord that he took all of those tapes and he, he, he tells a great story about putting them all into paper bags and carrying them to throw them away into the dump. And he said, I didn't give them away because I believed that if they were keeping me from worshiping the Lord, I didn't want other people to have access to those things. So he threw them all away. He listened to nothing but Christian music. Listen, he doesn't, however, get to then read that same commitment or command onto others because the Bible doesn't say that to me. You understand? So we, we got to be careful. Just because it feels good to me or feels right, um, doesn't mean it's right or wrong this tells me whether it's right or wrong and at the same time even some things that might be important for you as you're seeking to grow in godliness does not necessarily mean that you have the privilege to read that same importance into the lives of others and to command or dictate it for them right so just be aware of that but we got to seek the truth we only know that if we're actually seeking out the truth like pursuing it trying to learn it in a lazy way is to just say, well, I feel this way without actually digging into it. Don't be lazy. Find the truth. Second thing this morning, not just seek the truth, but tell the truth. Tell the truth. I believe I've shared this story with y'all before, and if I have, forgive me, but it's worth repeating, I believe. Um, I, I discovered a while back that there were there was a group of men in the church that were conspiring against me. Now, they weren't conspiring to get me fired. 
or to get me in trouble. Um, but they developed this theory that I, I, I well, they didn't just develop it. I tell a lot of stories. I enjoy telling stories. Um, but they began to be sort of amazed at how many stories I could tell. And so they, they created a game among themselves. Um, and the game was this. They would throw out the most random things in conversation with me just to see if I could connect it to a story. They didn't tell me they were doing this. They were doing all this behind my back. Um, and this went on for months. And so after the truth finally came out, then I could go back and connect the dots because I could remember times that we'd be sitting around drinking a cup of coffee or something and somebody would tell, say something random and then um, I would connect the story and they'd just all bust out laughing. Turns out I wasn't that funny. They weren't laughing with me. They were laughing at me. It's not very nice. I'm trying to bring them up on church discipline and get kicked out of the church. But, um, you know, but they... they they, 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 they enjoyed that, that fun. I, I like to tell stories, but you know, I, I actually don't know something about everything. I don't know if y'all know that about me. I like to know a lot of things. I like to read widely, but I don't know something about everything. Listen, you need to be honest about the fact that you don't know something about everything. There are things that you're just not informed about. I mean, that's, that's just it. Like, in a conversation about nuclear physics or politics in North Dakota... You're probably not informed unless you're a nuclear physicist or a North Dakota politician. And so when somebody asks you questions about that, you know what the best thing for you to do is just shh, shh. There's no reason to speak. You don't know that truth, so you can't tell it. Look, sometimes the most important thing you can do when you're trying to tell the truth is just to be quiet. Sometimes it's best just to be quiet. Now, our pride often doesn't allow us to do that. We want to speak. We want our words to be heard. I had somebody just, uh, just this past week, a senior adult man uh, out in the community, I, I, why, he, not a member of our church, why he thought I would know this, I don't know. He said, Craig, I wonder if you could really tell me the story and enlighten me about what's actually going on in Gaza right now. And I was like, hey, brother, I mean, I feel like I'm a pretty informed guy, but uh, truth of the matter is like, that I don't have a special phone number that... I get these top secret security calls from our government that says this is the backstory of what's going on among the Israeli government and in Gaza right now. Uh, he said, so you know, I said, I could, I could talk to you about the, the, the biblical roots of this that run all the way back to Old Testament times. I said, but, but if you want me to talk to you about what's actually going on, here's what I had to say. I said, I have no idea. And I just, he just, really? You, you don't know? I'm like, man, I'm just thankful that he thinks I'm that smart, right? But how tempting is it a lot of times that we just want to, to weigh in on something? You know, did you hear about so-and-so? Have you heard that? Hi, don't you love that one? What do you think about so-and-so? And when's the last time that you actually had the courage to just say, I don't actually have a thought about that? See, so I, I don't know. Well, haven't you heard? And you might be able to say, yeah, I heard something, but I'm trying to avoid gossip, number one. And number two, I have no idea if any of that's even true. And, and hey, newsflash, it doesn't impact me and, I don't need to know if it's true. Proverbs 17, 28 says, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Have you ever known somebody like that? Like, like maybe they're successful in one arena or area of life. And as a result of their success, you begin to think, Man, that guy, that guy's really got some things figured out. But then you sit down with them and they start talking and you go, Oh my goodness. Like, why is this person still talking? And then they keep talking and you, you walk away going, 
they must, have, they, they must have just had a rich uncle that died and left them money because nothing seems to make sense. Here, here's the reality. Usually successful people are, are smart, but they're usually smart in a, in a particular area. And if we're not careful, we can allow our minds to believe that because a person knows something in one area, that person necessarily knows things in lots of areas. And then we give them credibility. That's dangerous. But what's even worse, you ready? It's when we begin to believe that because we know something in one area that we know something in all the areas. And we allow our, <coughs> we allow our pride and our ego to override our capabilities. And in those moments, you know what we end up usually doing? We end up telling lies. We end up misrepresenting the truth. Now, it might not be like a bold-faced lie. It's one of those white lies that really don't matter. Here's the problem. The Bible doesn't really differentiate between white lies and big lies. It's just lies. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. What if it's just about whether or not, you know, the dog went to the bathroom on one side of the property line or the other? That's not really a big deal. Don't bear false witness about your neighbor, right? Don't bear false witness about your neighbor. That's period. That's it. End of discussion. Not, not like big lies or little lies. Just don't lie. But we, we tend to allow these sort of lies and these sort of mistruths and all this other stuff. And, and then we say this, right? Well, that's not really who I am. I, I didn't mean it. Let me tell you something. Jesus doesn't allow us off the hook that way because Jesus says that the words that come out of our mouth actually originate in our heart. The words of your mouth reveal the condition of your heart. When's the last time you got angry and in your anger you just spouted something off and then you said these words? Well, I, I didn't mean it. No, no, you did. You did. You see, what you just did in that moment is that you just committed two sins. The first sin was that you had malice in your heart towards your neighbor. The second sin is that you then lied about it to cover it up. See, when you're angry, when you're angry, you don't say things you don't mean. When you're angry, you tend to say things that you have harbored in your heart and they just spill out. They just spill out. Look, for the record, I didn't do this in the first service. Let's do this right now. For the record, for those of you that are married or that are in relationships of any kind, parent, child, you know, whatever the relationship is. This is why our disagreements can be roadways to greater intimacy within our relationships. Because when we are frustrated, when we are tired, when we are irritated, when we are, yes, even angry, we can sometimes say things that we shouldn't say. But here's the truth. We need to fix those things but what we don't need to do is fix what we said what we need to do is fix the root that caused us to say those things but sometimes we don't even know it's there until all the pretty facade is rubbed off and the ugly root in my heart leaks out your words reveal the condition of your heart and when you lie to cover your mistakes you reveal that your love for yourself is greater than your love for your neighbor so Jesus warns us that these ugly things originate in our hearts and these are the things that actually make us, you ready, unclean. So what is the solution to that then? The solution is for us to not bear false witness against our neighbor, for us not to lie, but it's also deeper than just don't say lies. It's about not harboring hatred and lies in our heart that cause those words to even exist. You understand? We've got to be aware of that. So seek the truth, tell the truth, and then finally this morning, love the truth. Love it. Love the truth. 
Tuesday morning. So Tuesday morning, I was having a pity party, okay? I, sh- I shared this on Wednesday night. I took 20 minutes to tell this on Wednesday night. I got to do it for y'all on two. But on Tuesday morning, I was having a pity party. I just had a lot of little things that had gone wrong in my life. Uh, nothing big, right? Just lots of little, little paper cuts and, 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 and little, you know, like, like you're getting pecked at by a little bird or something. No, nothing major, but just constant over and over and over again. And by the time I woke up on Tuesday morning, I was just frustrated. I was tired. I was having a pity party about it. Uh, I'd even, some of y'all have been praying for me. And I, here's what I wanted when you prayed for me. I, I, I didn't ask anybody to pray for me to handle this better. I asked for everybody to pray for this to go away because I was just tired of dealing with it. And so Tuesday morning rolls around and I get up and I'm, I'm reading my Bible on Tuesday morning and I'm finishing up in the book of Hebrews and I turn to the book of James. You know what was waiting for me around the corner when I flipped that page? The Lord was waiting for me in that place. He was waiting for me around the corner of my Bible in the book of James and as I stepped around the corner, he jumped out and he grabbed me by the collar. And he said, you ready for this? Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you experience trials of various kinds, for the Lord is building you up in this. And I went, no. I mean, yes. I mean, oh my goodness, you caught me. Boom, right there. Look, I did not want to hear that truth. Do you know that? I didn't like that truth in that particular moment. I wasn't excited about that truth. But the reality is, it was true. It, you ready? It wasn't my truth. <laughs> my truth was wallowing in self-pity. But the Lord confronted me with his truth, and he transformed my position and my perspective. You know what I did? I was in a restaurant when I read that. had my earbuds in. I was drinking a cup of coffee, and I read that, and I literally laughed out loud. And I'm pretty sure because I had my earbuds in that I probably said out loud, I said, you caught me. Lord, you got me. You got me. I have been whining, I've been moaning, I've been complaining, and God's word confronted me in that place, and here's what the Lord's word said to me. Craig, these things are for your good. Craig, quit your whining, stop moaning, Craig. I've been going, Lord, why are you doing this to me? And the Lord says, I've been trying to get your attention and to remind you that these trials come to make you strong, to build up perseverance and long-suffering steadfastness. The Lord said, and and look, keep in mind, he didn't have to speak to me audibly. People are going, y'all are waiting for God to speak. He speaks to us in his word every single morning when we get up and he confronts us in it. And in that place, he said, Craig, stop whining. Quit complaining. Stop being such a pansy. I've got work to do in your life and you've got work to do in your life and I'm sending you the things that you need so that you can look more like me and be more like me and act more like me. Craig, I'm making you better and stronger. I'm making you more faithful if you would just stop whining. And I said, oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I will, I can do that. You know what happened in that moment? In that moment, I had to learn to love the truth. I had to learn to love it, not just to hear it. See, I've preached the book of James. I've taught the book of James. I've written Bible studies on the book of James. But on Tuesday morning, the book of James hit me right between the eyes. It wasn't about y'all at that point. It was just me and him, and he got his way. I'm going to tell you, he had his way with me. Let me tell y'all something about loving the truth. Loving the truth means that we got to be willing to speak the truth. And I actually, in between sermons, in between services this morning, uh, somebody came to me and said, Craig, you, you, you talked about the truth, but how about you live the truth that you're speaking? I said, man, what are you talking about? 
He said, well, you, I texted you on Tuesday and you told me that everything was fine and you'd had a good day. But in your sermon, you said that on Tuesday that God had to, to, to beat you between the eyes. I said, oh, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, he said you said, he said, I don't think you were honest with me. Man, I, y'all, I got worried. I got nervous. I'm not, I was back there in my office. I got real nervous. I pulled my phone. I said, well, now, hold on. Your text came at 5.45 p.m. The Lord had done his work on me at 7 o'clock a.m. So I'm good. I'm off the hook here. I'm off the hook. And I said, by that point, everything was resolved because I, I, I had fallen in love with God's word to me again. He shifted me, changed me just that quick. He confronted me in it. Listen to me. All truth is God's truth, even the parts that we, that we might not like. Especially the parts that we might not like. The truths of God's word that you need the most are the truths that you desire the least. The truths of God's word that are most necessary in your life are the ones that are so hurtful and challenging in the moment because they are dragging you out of your comfort and they are transforming you and conforming you into the image of God. You see, it's those truths that feel the most uncomfortable that are doing the greatest work of sanctification in your life and in mine. And when the Lord confronts us with those truths, y'all, the process of sanctification is a process of us finding it within ourselves to go, yes, you caught me and I am so grateful. Thank you, Lord, for confronting me, for correcting me, for challenging me, for changing me. See, we gotta learn to love God's truth because it's all his but not only do we learn to love the truth of God we learn to celebrate that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through him no one see when I begin to love God's truth I begin to appreciate the fact that Jesus is that truth And loving God's truth means loving the Lord more. Y'all, I'm going to say something that's harsh, and and you're not going to love this, but here's the reality. If you're not spending time in this book and with your Savior, you don't love Him. Now, I, I know we live in a world where we try to convince ourselves that, you know, well, just because I didn't do it, that's not what's in my heart. I just want to paint a picture of you for you guys that if I neglect my wife and my children and yet I try to convince y'all that I still love them even though I don't act like it, there's nobody that's going to believe that. And the reason y'all aren't going to believe that is because we all know the truth, but we lie about it. See, that's what we can't do is lie. We know the truth, but we lie. We know what Jesus said is true, that our heart is the wellspring of the things that come out of our mouths. Our heart is what dictates our actions. See, we like to turn it around and say, well, my actions aren't a representative of my heart. But the Bible doesn't allow that to be the case. You say, well, Craig, you can't judge somebody's heart. You're right, I can't. But I can judge your actions. And if Jesus says that your actions come from your heart, if your actions don't look like Jesus, I can begin to to have a pretty good case against you to suggest that you don't actually love the Lord. I know that's hurtful and I know that's harsh. But here's the deal. If you disagree with it, you've got to make a case biblically. 
And let me just ask you, why would you want to make that case biblically? Why would you even desire to build a case that you could love the Lord without actually giving him your time? Why would you desire to prove to me that it's possible to love somebody without spending time with them? I'm pretty sure that what you're saying to me is that your definition of love doesn't look much like a sacrificial love that the Bible speaks about. Y'all, I want to encourage you to love the truth. And loving the truth means not only loving God's word, but loving God himself because Jesus said that he is the way and the truth and the life. Love it. Love it. Cherish it. And allow it to change you. So in conclusion this morning, do you tell the whole truth? Do you tell the whole truth? Yeah, I mean, I get it. I give you a little picture of the truth about me. But honestly, are my clothes the whole truth about who I am? No, not at all. Not at all. But there's certainly a part of the truth of who I am. At least if you see me at Lowe's, you might recognize me a little better because you won't be looking for me in like a, a tie and, and loafers at Lowe's. But this is not the whole truth. But, but you've got to be willing to tell the whole truth. You've you got to tell the whole truth about who you are. This is why we lie about our love for the Lord because we don't want to face the truth of who we are. We don't like to wrestle with the fact that we are sinners separated from God and the people that we love as a result of our sin. You see, we, we don't want to consider that perhaps we may be eternally separated from God. We don't really want to consider that our sin has created such a degree of separation that we deserve, sin, we deserve hell and punishment, that we deserve eternal separation. And look... We don't like to think that perhaps our loved ones are separated from the Lord. And so we'll lie for them too. And, and it is a lie, y'all. Because we know that we're not telling the truth. We know that those folks don't love the Lord, but we'll say it to make ourselves feel better. Listen to me. Making yourself feel better today does not give you security for eternity. Tell the truth. Tell the truth about who you are. Let me tell you something. God already knows. God already knows. Some of y'all can't figure out how the church is still standing when you walked in. Listen, the reason that your sin has not caused him to wipe you off the face of the earth is because he actually loves you right where you are. He knows who you are. He knows what lives in your heart. He knows what you've done and he loves you and he desires to save you from your sin and to give you a relationship with him. You need to be honest about who you are. Second, you need to be honest about who he is. Who the Lord is. He is gracious and merciful. He is just. He is holy and righteous. He is a God who harbors no competition. And yet he is a God who, though we have sinned and fallen short of his glory, sent his one and only son to redeem us from our sin and to restore us to a relationship with him. That's who he is. Who are you? A sinner separated from God. Who is he? A God who loves to redeem sinners. And then what is the truth about what you actually need? For some of you, the truth about what you actually need is that redemption. Y'all, this is a sermon or a text primarily about not lying about your neighbor. It's, 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 this, this verse is really primarily about something with more like a courtroom setting, a judicial experience, that you're not to bear false witness 
that, that, that you shouldn't do anything that would falsely incriminate or falsely exonerate another person, that you have a responsibility to tell the truth. And, and within the context of the Ten Commandments, this verse is so incredibly important for maintaining a healthy society. And it is important for maintaining our society for you to tell the truth about others. But listen to me. To maintain your life for eternity, you've got to be willing to tell the truth about what you actually need. And what you actually need is a relationship with this God who created and set forth these commandments and also sent a Savior to redeem us because He knew that we would fail. A God that says, these are my expectations, but then says, hey, because I know that you can't live up to them, I am going to give you a Savior who can redeem you from your sin. What do you need this morning? Some of you need that relationship with Jesus. Some of you, some of you are followers of Jesus, but we get to this commandment, and, and here's the reality. There's probably none of the Ten Commandments that are so easily and regularly broken as this commandment, right? Because we've convinced ourselves that lying's just not a big deal. There's those little white lies. You know, you lie on your taxes, you lie to your employer when you write down that you work 40 hours every week knowing good and well you didn't work with 36 and a half. You lie to that police officer that asked you how fast you were going, right? You lie to your parents, you lie to your spouse. Some of you are followers of Jesus and today you need to confess that you still continue to live in your lives in spite of the fact that God has redeemed you. But there are others who have been lying to yourself for far too long and today needs to be the day that you say, look, pastor, the truth of the matter is I am a sinner and I need a savior. There might be somebody sitting beside you that is gonna be a little bit surprised because your lie has been so good that you've convinced them. But you know in your heart that you've not convinced the Lord. You know that you've not convinced yourself. And as a result, you know that if you were to die today, that you'd be separated from God for all of eternity. Today needs to be the day that you tell the truth with yourself. You tell the truth about who the Lord is. You tell the truth to these people who are gathered in this place and you admit, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And when you do, you know what you do in that moment? You acknowledge that you're a sinner. You acknowledge that He is a great Savior. You acknowledge that He will save you. Today, as we stand and as we sing, however it is that God is at work in your life, I invite you and encourage you to respond in obedience. I would love to introduce you to Jesus this morning. Stand with me as we pray. Father God in heaven, we love you and praise you and thank you for this day that you've given to us. Forgive us, Lord God, for the lies that we tell. Forgive us when we've lied about ourselves. Forgive us when we've lied about you. Lord God, I pray that you would restore to us a right relationship with you. Move among us in Christ's name. Amen. Come as the Lord leads.